This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve, too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Get Goldfinger today. You know what I want. Howdy, how you going, and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Ross Samson Folk, and uh, thank you for joining me. I'm, uh, I'm ready to dive into this game, the Raptors' latest win, 113-97 over the Orlando Magic, who were on a three-game win streak and had been playing some impressive ball to this point. They have guys like Jonathan Isaac, who is a most improved player candidate early on. He's a monster on defense presents Pascal Siakam with a lot of difficulties and for their part they also have NBA player of the week sorry Eastern Conference player of the week Nikola Vucevic unfortunately Vucevic after the first quarter injured and Aaron Gordon was also injured in this game too so a lot of difficulties for the Magic to overcome in this one eventually succumbing to the Raptors superior play 113-97 the Magic had a better start to this one than the Raptors Pretty much simply because the Raptors were playing extremely aggressive defense on Nikola Vucevic, trying to get the ball out of his hands. He had five assists really early, and the Magic were shooting pretty well off of the space that was afforded to them. And the Raptors have been quite used to playing against guys like Doncic, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, AD, where the double is necessary. And the supporting cast isn't that good, so they can, you know, if you play off of them, it's quite good. There's a difference between DJ Augustine, Evan Fournier, and guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Alex Caruso, things like that. You know what I mean? The, the Raptors have been making teams pay 
for having not such great depth on their rosters and not being able to create outside of their main guys. The Magic, for what it's worth, were able to do that early on. They scored they scored 32 in the opening frame, which is a lot for this Magic team. They're not very good at scoring the ball. They're getting better. But keep in mind that that momentum may have stopped with injuries to Vucevic and Gordon, which is really bad news and really bad luck for them. So that was disappointing to see, especially since the level of gameplay went down quite a bit from then on. But for what it's worth, the first quarter did have a very interesting end to it, really fun. Terrence Davis came out and started breathing fire from downtown. He also got an offensive board and then a layup, and the Raptors... They got a turnover on one end, pushed it down the other side of the floor. Siakam got a layup with roughly point whatever, maybe like two seconds left on the clock. And that tied things up at 32 to end the first quarter. DJ Augustine threw up a heave and the Raptors, you know, they went in tied after the Magic had hit what was an unsustainable level of offense for them. It seemed like anyway, right? Jonathan Isaac was hitting from mid-range and I love Jonathan Isaac. I love his game but he's not super proficient in that area. Vucevic was making really good reads out of doubles, which he's gotten better at, but isn't the type of guy who's dropping five assists every quarter in and out, those types of things. And the Magic aren't an incredibly good shooting team. So all those things piled on top of each other in the first quarter, ended up with 32 points, and the Magic, they tried to build from there, but obviously the injuries did undercut a bit of that offensive momentum. And the second quarter showcased something where the Raptors have been reliably leaning on a very young, a very green bench, but to a lot of success. And in this game, the bench blew things open. I mean, the Raptors won the second quarter 29 to 19. Chris Boucher was really huge. He was outplaying, dominating, I would even say, Mo Bamba. I, I believe Bamba was fifth overall. Boucher, an undrafted guy. And yes, it does take big men a while to develop. So, Mo Bamba could be a hell of a player by the time he's Boucher's age. I don't mean to disparage him, but Boucher, for what it's worth, came in and he was playing awesome. He did finish with a double-double, and this guy, Chris Boucher, my God, he can really just sleepwalk to a double-double, and he throws down dunks. It's just his activity for a big man is so fervent. He is so mobile whether it's diving to the rim to attack the offensive glass, running back on the fast break, running up on offense on the fast break, whatever it is, he's doing it to the his fullest extent. And that allows a big guy with his length a lot of opportunities, honestly. And that's really cool to see because that is one of the one of the most heartwarming aspects of basketball players is hustle. And that's especially in Toronto, what is carved out fan favorite roles for a lot of players is their ability to hustle to get to the loose ball to to put up putbacks things like that and Chris Boucher Rondé Hollis Jefferson guys like that guys who did really help launch the Raptors second quarter with their hustle with their dives to the rim their activity and their defense quite frankly that is what the Raptors bench unit has been built on getting defensive stops running out on the break and having some overlap with guys like Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam to create, it's that has really helped them get going. And while there were long stretches in this game where the Raptors didn't look so great offensively, and while also crediting the Magic for being a great defensive team, 
the Raptors, especially the bench units, who guys like Terrence Davis, Hollis Jefferson, Chris Boucher are all plus 22 or plus 21 on the game, they dominated the Magic for their time on the court. And that was largely due to their activity on defense, their ability to get out on the break. You had Hollis Jefferson, who was going out for this Michael Jordan-esque breakaway dunk, the big hammer left-handed. And you have Boucher, who's... I think he had three put-back dunks in this game. Three put-back dunks, not just dunks at all, not just dunks whatever, but specifically a genre of dunk. He had three of them in a a single game. And it's tough to just point to the Magic and say, ah, they're letting that happen. Because Chris Boucher's activity has been affording him these types of performances against different play styles different teams it it hasn't been like playing against teams that play fast it hasn't been that there's been slow teams there's been fast teams there's been medium teams as far as pace and Boucher has found success against all of them quite frankly and that's been a huge development Terrence Davis as well not only did he come out and start hitting triples but in the second quarter he started running a two-man game with the likes of Marcus All. Marcus All as good a big man to run a two game with as any because of his passing proficiency. That that was great to see. So he not only was he taking DHOs from Marcus All, that's a dribble handoff for those of you who don't know. Dribble handoffs from Marcus Saul and hitting floaters while going downhill and spraying to the opposite corner for corner triple looks. Or even just creating and filling the lane while Marcus All waits for the defense to compress. And then Marcus All finds, for example, Norman Powell wide open for a triple. These things are all happening. And these are advanced things for these guys. Not something you'd expect to see. And to come in and to punch Orlando in the mouth as a bench unit where Terrence Davis is undrafted. Chris Boucher is undrafted. Matt Thomas is undrafted. Okay, all of these things happening, compiling on top of one one another, is a little bit absurd. Having Terrence Davis come in and play 27 minutes, have 19 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists on 70% shooting, I don't know what we're supposed to expect from this Raptors development team, but everybody on the roster appears to be punching above their weight, and not just in one area of the game but in all facets, which makes it seem like not only are they having a really a good case of avoiding regression from downtown, whereas Terrence Davis has shot the ball really well, wasn't that great a shooter in college, whether it's his defense above the break, his helping out on the defensive glass, his three-point shooting, his playmaking, everything that he's doing has risen to such a degree that what do you say about it? Because you have to evaluate what's in front of you. So you can't just say, ah, well, if his three-pointer regresses to the mean, well, then he's still performing at a rate that nobody expected in several other facets of the game. Same with Chris Boucher. Same with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. There's a guy like OG Ananobi who we knew. We knew he was going to cut baseline, shoot a really high percentage around the rim, and we knew he was going to be an outstanding defender. So we've seen that he has definitely improved as as a defender. I wrote a big piece about why he's one of the NBA's best defenders at this point. And he he looks like he's primed for an all-NBA level 
defensive year. But not only that, he's shooting over 50% from downtown. That's one of those things where you look and you go, okay, OG Ananobi is probably not going to be shooting over 50% from downtown. But everything else is so good that you can let that regress and it's okay. And that's been the case with all of the Raptors' young guys. Pascal Siakam as well from downtown. Just There's so many other things that are being added to the games that the improvement across the board of all these players is, quite honestly, it's one of the most staggering things I've ever seen in the NBA. And I, I don't mean to be too dramatic or hyperbolic, but it is an unprecedented level of improvement from a roster standpoint. I've never seen anything like it. I don't think we'll see anything like it in quite some time. And I was talking to Louis Zatzman about this, but if these improvements are real and stay static and there's not a ton of regression to wherever, it means that the Raptors 100% become a championship-level team, even without Kawhi Leonard. And everybody and their mom knows how important superstars are to the NBA. Everybody knows this. And to win without one, and even Pascal Siakam, we do see him coming a bit more down-to-earth, whereas he's not going to be shooting 52% from downtown and 96% from the free-throw line and averaging 29 on 64% true shooting. That isn't Pascal Siakam. But Pascal Siakam averaging 24, 10, and 4, something around that, that seems doable. On decent true shooting percentage, all those things seem possible. But even then, that isn't the same level as Kawhi Leonard. So you ask yourself, how does, in the NBA, how does a team win it all? And the Raptors, it seemed like, came the closest last year. Because the Raptors were definitely a team last year. Whether the narrative told you or told anybody in America, wherever in the world, that Kawhi Leonard carried a bunch of players to the finals. That wasn't the case. The Raptors were a very, very good defensive team. They led with their defense. They won with their defense. Kawhi Leonard had really, really scintillating stretches. But so did Kyle Lowry. So did Pascal Siakam. And while not to the degree of Kawhi Leonard, they still kicked in so much extra stuff that the narrative that Kawhi Leonard carried the team was wrong. So the Raptors as a team really kicked the super team idea in the face and they seem to be doing that again this year. And maybe this is all too big a reaction for a game against the Magic in which the Raptors had slow stretches and the Raptors had dry stretches and the Magic had two players injured, two of their starters. But it does make you think about a lot of these things because the progression has been so quick for so many of the underlying players and some of the bigger players as well. So I I rant over, but it's just very, very interesting to me. And honestly, I believe that Fred Van Vliet and Marcus All deserve a lot of love as well as Norman Powell. There was really, really good effort from all three. Van Vliet did another great job of controlling the pace of the game for a long time. There were stretches, yes, where I did allude to dry stretches where Van Vliet maybe didn't recognize the need for Siakam to be used as a screener when Isaac was on him and too often let Siakam try and go one-on-one against one of the best defenders in the NBA, which Isaac is. He is truly immense on the defensive end. He is probably a top-five defender league-wide. He is something special for sure. So recognizing things like that, 
you're looking for more progression in that area, kind of like against the Charlotte Hornets games, sorry, game where Fred Van Vliet recognized that Marcus Saul could tear them apart from the inside out, so they went down there. That was really cool to see. Marcus Saul, also in this game, I thought did a really, really good job of playing defense on the inside. There were a few letdowns on the inside where, when it was guys like Jonathan Isaac crashing the glass and him going for layups, things like that. But that's not really Marcus Saul's fault. That's not his boxing out assignment. But he, he seemed pretty mobile on defense. He did a good job of locking down the paint. And on offense, he moved the ball really well. He, he had a layup, which is big news, everyone, because he was literally shooting the worst two-point percentage for a center in the history of basketball. I believe William Liu had a screenshot of basketball reference earlier today where Mark was shooting somewhere around 24%, which dating back to around 1954 appeared to be the worst for a center. That is gobsmacking and disappointing a little bit, but it doesn't mean that he didn't play well in this game. 5-6-5, five, and five, while not an outrageous stat line, Marcus All played very well. Van Vliet did really well. Norman Powell, I thought, did a great job attacking the Orlando defense when they didn't have a rim protector in the rim. That's one of the biggest problems for Powell is that he gets himself stuck on his last step or in the air and gets swatted a lot at the rim. However, comma, he did a good job of finding the space, bursting into it, and finishing at the rim, often with his offhand. So that was cool to see. And the biggest story of this game is that Fred Van Vliet did a great job throughout. I thought he did an awesome job carrying the Raptors in dry stretches. And even though dry stretches did come, I thought he did a good job. Terrence Davis punched in a bunch of points in the first quarter and the second. He did a fantastic job there. And then Chris Boucher completely embarrassed and dominated Mo Bamba. Those are the big three things. And obviously the Siakam and Isaac matchup, which I would say Isaac won handily. Isaac was he was really good on Siakam, and this was a tough game for Siakam. But notably, Pascal Siakam, even when he's having a bad game, can kind of sleepwalk into 18, 11, and 4. Even though that 18 points come on 18 shots, it's still impressive. It's not that easy to accumulate stats in the in the NBA, which is what makes Chris Boucher so impressive. 14 and 11 in 20 minutes. I believe it was 11 and 10 in 14 or 18 minutes last game. All these types of things keep happening. And he's so willing to take shots in a second unit that really likes him taking shots. And it didn't matter that Terrence Ross went on a bit of a run, that Evan Fournier was pretty good throughout, and that the Magic were still trying to go uphill against the Raptors, and they had some decent shot making in the latter half of the second half. Chris Boucher was sustaining the Raptors' offense in a low-scoring game just with his hustle and his ability to bang around the basket. With his weight, with his physical profile, he was still willing to go in there and battle Kim Birch and battle Mo Bamba. Both guys have heavier frames than him and can kind of bounce him around. But his length and his willingness to grind, I thought, was a complete game changer in the second half. Yes, of course, Pascal Siakam, Terrence Davis, Fred Van Vliet, Norm Powell all chipped in in the second half and all did great. But the story of the second half to me was Chris Boucher 
being so hungry for the rim on both ends. It was it was awesome to see. And if you're wondering who the Reggie Evans Award goes to, it has to be Chris Boucher for all the reasons that I just mentioned. It's It seems like an obvious pick, and I did not think that for this award this year I would be considering Chris Boucher and Terrence Davis II as much as I have game in and game out because they've become not only much better players than I expected, but they've become cogs in the second unit. And the second unit feels like the best place to find the Reggie Evans Award because there's a lot of things to like in the starting lineup. But the Raptors, for what it's worth, a lot of the guys, even Pascal Siakam is getting MVP consideration by some people. Fred Van Vliet, we're talking about, could he be garnering a max contract in the offseason? These things are being talked about, and it's really cool, but there is a level of play that's starting to be expected of them. And Reggie Evans, the only thing expected from him was hustle. And man, Chris Boucher, he embodies that every game. He comes out and he kills himself on the glass. Whatever whatever needs to be done, he's running, doing his best to get there. And it was it was it was really fun to watch. I've really enjoyed it. So he wins the Reggie Evans Award for, for this game. As for the Mitchell Robinson Award, nothing particularly villainous in this one. And uh, I'm okay with that. As as always, it's always good to avoid villainous behavior. So we'll be moving right on to the top quick reaction comment, which seems to have <laughs> four paragraphs in it. So strap in from Wildling number one. Boucher, another double-double. 14 points, 11 rebounds in just 20 minutes, plus 22. I think we ought to realize that his motor and courage enable him to compete against bigger men. Tonight, it was 7-foot, 241-pound Mo Bamba. And they aren't empty stats, are they? And then he changes shots at the perimeter, as well as around the basket regularly. Guys just don't want to try to shoot over him out there, and he gets out there in a hurry. His willingness in the G League to mix it up under the basket led to a ton of blocks, rebounds, and foul calls. And the guy runs like a gazelle. So what I think what fans thought was a novelty, a feel-good Canadian story about a stick-figure Canadian big who shoots the three with abandon, is a lot more than that. He makes things happen all over the place. A really nice driving dish for three by Powell tonight. He's earning Nick Nurse's confidence. I think he can start in the modern NBA. And Terrence Davis too. I think which means the future is even brighter than the bright futures of Pascal and OG would suggest. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with that third or second to last paragraph talking about what some people might have thought was a novelty Canadian on the team is turning out to be a lot more. I think that's ending up to be true. And Chris Boucher, even though he is at an advanced age for somebody who has played so little in the NBA, whether he figures into the Raptors' future plans as a major player because of his age, I'm, I'm not so sure. But whether he figures into the immediate plans of this year as a role player and in the years that follow before he becomes too advanced in age where his running and jumping might start declining a little bit, if he can get into starter, all-star, above-average starter, that type of area, that's cool to see. And it's really nice that that's even a conversation. And all the props to Louis Zatzman, who wrote the big story on him prior to this year. I love my guy, Louis, and uh, I'll shout out any of his writing at any point in time. Also, he wrote a fantastic piece on Fred Van Vliet today, which was a monster piece that was 
so comprehensive on how Fred's year has been so far that I, I just think you should go read that as well. And as for me, I think that's that's about it for this podcast. I'm going to thank you guys so much for listening. Um, tomorrow, I'll be drawing the winner of the Rockets at Raptors tickets giveaway December 5th. And uh, for all of you guys and ladies who entered, the best of luck to you. I hope somebody truly deserving wins the tickets. And uh, thank you very much for participating. Thank you for listening to this podcast, whether you're getting into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. Everyone needs more vacation, right? The new United Gateway card knows how to take you away with great travel rewards and no annual fee, ever. The wait for vacation is over. Tap now or visit unitedgatewaycard.com to apply. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.